Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What you want? Your favorite podcast about the beautiful game. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Jesse Marsh and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. And we have a fantastic show, guys. I don't know if you saw the rundown or not, but apparently Americans were just scoring for fun all around the world this past weekend, which is fantastic. We're going to be talking about the referees in MLS. Uh, the real ones have been locked out. We had some other ones show up, and we're going to have Christina Uncle come on. And talk to us about it. Jesse's going to just say adieu so we can talk to somebody much smarter than him about this situation. <laughs> and we're going to eventually have James Benjon to come in and explain himself about his slandering of one Christian Pulisic. But before that, we have a little game that we like to call Call It What You Want Word of the Day. And guys, are you ready for this? Got to name the language and or country of the origin of this word. And it is Peldroid. Peldroid. Ah, uh, Yes. Peldroid. You go first, Jess. It's okay. Not, it's this not is, like I'm D2 Android. Peldroid. 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 Again, this feels very <laughs> feels very Balkan. Feels very Balkan to me. I'm gonna go Croatia. Hervatska. 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 Okay, Charlie, how about you? I'm not going there. Not going Balkan? No, I'm not going Balkan. Peldroid. 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 Even the way you say it, Peldroid. 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 Yeah, Peldroid. I, I think you oh, you influenced the way I'm saying it. Peldroid. <laughs> Could, okay, I'm going to go Europe. Peldroid. All right, I'll go. 
Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. Okay, both of you are incorrect. Here's a clue. Okay. I'll give you two clues. One player from the U.S. men's national team's most recent CONCACAF Nations League roster plays his club soccer slash Peldroid in this country. So also, and you're saying from the Slovenia, Matt? No, you, you, Nations League. The most recent CONCACAF Nations League yeah, roster. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, it's uh, the new he's kid, trying to, the he's trying to throw you off. This, this, one more clue, one more clue. You're, you're, so, wait, he, wait, he's throwing out Christopher Lund. That's what yes. he's throwing out. But that's it. He's, no. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, nope. That's no, not I it. I didn't say, I didn't say a country. You, I, you alluded to I it. I said a All name. Right, keep going. Okay, this country's national team currently sits 29th in FIFA's men's world rankings. So, Liechtenstein, probably not close. Is that? Croatia, a little higher than 29th. 29th. He was on the, the last. Heldroid. Nations League roster. One player, only one in the U.S. men's national team's most recent CONCACAF Nations League roster plays his club, Peldroid. Look at Jesse. Look at Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Look at Jesse. He's looking up the roster. He's looking up the roster. This is incredible. Um, Oh. Stumped. They're stumped. I'm not stumped. I'm not stumped. stumped. Stop it. This might be the first time we've stumped you and call it what you want. I'm going to go... Belgium. Belgium. How about you, Charlie? Peldroid. God! Holland! Netherlands! We already did Holland. The answer is Wales. Oh, God! Ethan Ethan Horvath. Horvath. No! But he wasn't on the... He wasn't in Wales It's a bit of a trick. It's a trick. No! Peldroid. Peldroid. Yeah, but the Welsh language is is crazy. Like, it have is. you ever have you ever driven England to Wales, and then they and they like say welcome to Wales, and everything starts. There's a lot of consonants, not a lot of vowels. That's what oh, I can pick up from the Welsh. Welsh crazy language, language. crazy yeah. language. Well, speaking oh, of crazy, let's bring on James Bench, everybody. Let's bring on James Bench. All right, let's bring All him right. on. Let's bring CBS him on. Sports. Is he Welsh? He's Welsh. It, 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 I'm, in, I'm embarrassed to say I had no idea what that was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But then again, I'm English, so it, I don't know yeah. a word of Welsh. Either did we. Either did we, James. Do you know okay, the Welsh so- for um, microwave, quickly? The Welsh for microwave is poppity ping. Poppity ah, ping. Of so that makes sense. What it sounds that's like. what a microwave <laughs> does. Microwave does do poppity ping things, right? I mean, that's a wonderful language. <laughs> All right, so so Bench, we got to get you on here. You got to explain yourself. You wrote an article on February fourteenth on Valentine's Day of all national holidays we have, made up national holidays we have here in the States, uh, saying, oh, I wrote this this article that was well-received about the most underrated players in the top five leagues in Europe. Why don't we do overrated now? And by the way, number one's Christian Pulisic. By the way, before you let into it, you said, uh, look, I suppose what I'm trying to say is I've got some harsh news for those of you on the Christian Pulisic hype wagon, like all three of us, and I'd prefer you don't redirect that towards my house in revenge. Too bad, James Bench. <laughs> and here I am. You're in your house. We've got. Some, we want to hear. Explain yourself as to why you believe. Maybe, maybe you've changed your mind because he's he's added some goals and assists since he wrote this. But why Christian Pulisic is so overrated? Over. So overrated can mean a lot of things. <laughs> here we uh, go. And now. as yep. you well know, Jimmy, from when we were on <laughs> K Golazzo together, and uh, Thomas Tuchel was in charge of Chelsea, I actually am quite an admirer of certain parts of Christian Pulisic's game. In this instant, with this player, I happen to believe that overrated, what is overrating Christian Pulisic 
is his goals and assists. I think it's seven and six right now, which output wise is brilliant. What you would want to see from Christian Pulisic, if you're Stefano Pioli, if you're an AC Milan fan, is something to make you believe that that is going to run through the season, that he is going to be a, I mean, that is something like a, I've got the numbers here. It's uh, more than a goal or an assist every other game. That's great return. But when you look at the XG and the XA, the worry is, oh, there's not a lot there. This is a hot streak. It feels like something that probably can't last. And right now, I don't see the case for Pulisic's XG, Pulisic's expected assists, his chances created, getting up to where his goals and assists are. It's brilliant. But this feels like a player on the cusp of a cold streak. And we've already seen a sort of few of them dotted around. It was a bit off in January and February. So that's that's my concern. I think he's a, a hugely talented footballer. And I do know that you guys are going to come at me and I'm ready for when you come at me about that he doesn't get many touches of the ball factor, which I do understand is a factor in assessing Pulisic. But this to me feels like a guy found the hot hand for a little bit uh, and I wouldn't get carried away with that. Chuck. All right. <clears throat> Everyone's entitled to her opinion, right? I think you're not taking into consideration that this is his first season and he's on the opposite wing of the, the, the talisman himself, Rafael Leao, right? So if you look at how Milan play and from, I guess, the standpoint of who's supposed to command most of the ball, most of the opportunities, it's Rafael Leao and then it's Olivier Giroud. He was brought in to contribute and obviously be a player to fulfill what Brahim Diaz uh, left in, in terms of when he left the the uh, to go to Real Madrid, that void. You needed a, pl- a creative playmaker, another option. I think he's far exceeded the expectations for his first season. I mean, some of the goals that he's scored have been absolutely sensational. And I think, more importantly, he's been able to stay healthy for large parts of the season because his health was always uh, in question. Think about in Chelsea, he was up and down. He'd, he'd do really well, he'd get injured. Then it'd take him extra, extra amount of time to get back into the team. This is a player who is coming into his own. I think he's only going to get better with his, his goals and assists in terms of production. I think he's been, from that standpoint, underperforming given, yeah, okay, he's got seven goals, six assists, and 24 Serie A games. He's easily a 10 goals, 10 assists guy in, in Syria easily. And I think when he hits his best and, and reaches his potential, which I think he, he can and will do as long as he stays healthy, we're talking 15 and 15. And I don't think, and, and I, and I'm not trying to overhype him whatsoever. My, my, my concern would be looking at the, the, the XG let's take, take for instance, and the 15 goals, he's at 0.2 XG per 19. And, and I do, I do fully understand that this, that, you know, that he is kind of what I what I view him as a sort of a, a backstick player. You know, the the play is predominantly down the left with Milan, and and rightly so. Leao and Hernandez is a fantastic combination, and he's waiting at the other end to get on on the end of those chances. I think that's his best role. I actually think he played that role a lot better under Thomas Tuchel, who, who by the way, we should we should say trusted him to play that role in some of the biggest games, FA Cup finals. I guess my challenge for those who believe that Pulisic could be a 15 and 50, you know, double figures in goal and assists is 
to do that, I feel like his XG is going to need to come up. What changes that makes him a player that is, let's say, 0.4 expected goals per 90, which is double what he is. It's, it's what he's been in the past. My contention would be that injuries and a, a bad final few years at Chelsea mean that kind of at 25, I don't see that trajectory. And kind of the reason he got thrown into overrated, which obviously is a headline uh, that is assigned to you, uh, is that... Sure, sure. It, it's Stop hard to... James Bench. <laughs> I've lost my I've lost my editors now. He's being he's being asked to defend a lot more in in a Milan mm-hmm. kit than he was in a Chelsea kit. So when you're you spend so much time and effort tracking back and doing the dirty work that when you do get advanced, which he has, and in terms of one on one ability, dribbling ability, he's been I think sensational, Great. right? Mm-hmm. So I think once that shift starts to happen and he's allowed to find those spaces and not have to track back as much the XG will come up because he's going to be naturally closer to goal. Okay. Okay. I want to jump in and say it with Brahim Diaz, who Pulisic came in to replace six goals and seven assists last season, 0.28 XG throughout that whole year. But Jesse, I'm very curious to hear from you in particular, because you got a journalist who's making these claims. You got some stats and, and that are backing up these claims in his mind. Now, as our resident coach, how do you manage all that? And what do you say? How do you cut through all that kind of clutter to really evaluate Christian Pulisic properly? Well, there's a number of things that I I think about. First, I'm a big believer in the metrics and and the balance, the averaging out of what they say. XG and XA are often about the likelihood of you being able to make a play in a certain situation. The outlier in these situations is talent, either the the presence of or the lack of. And so when anyone's outperforming XG, you ask yourself, okay, is there talent above the XG or are they lucky? Most of the moments for Christian, I would say that he's actually showed his talent in these situations and that he's outperformed XG because his talent is above what XG dictates. I would also say that one of the reasons his XG is not higher is because his team, and I've, I've mentioned this often, that his teammates don't always share the ball in certain situations where he is putting himself in advantageous positions to score easy goals, but not receiving the service or the next pass that allows him to finish off plays and, and, and make moments that would have higher XG. They become lower XG because the person chooses to shoot and not pass the ball. In the end, I still have been critical at times at Christian because I don't think he's found the game enough and I don't think he's imposed himself uh, enough upon the game. Part of it is because I think he's new to the team and he's and he's trying to honor his responsibilities, tactical responsibilities, defensive responsibilities. But I can see why after watching him play, why his XG numbers are low and his actual output is higher than what they say they should be. In the end, I do think that XG will mean that he'll come to a to more of a mean and those numbers will come down a little bit. But my hope is that actually the XG raises because the way he fits in the team and the ability for his teammates to help him fit in the team more will help him increase and make a bigger impact in what he does with the group. So I see it from both ends. But, but in the end, Christian's, I think – 
acclimated and assimilated pretty well to what the team is and what the team needs of them. And I think along with, with if I were to do, if, if it's possible to do also who's overrated and who un, who's underrated, for me, it would potentially involve XG, potentially involve actual output, and then potentially involve salary, right? Because that's a big factor too. How much does a player earn versus what his output is? This is the kind of things they do in the NFL and in, in the NBA. It's not always what the expected points are, but how much are they earning and how much are they scoring? But but James, in the end, I, I see why the numbers dictate. I can see the the reason. These aren't excuses or blame or these are realities as to I understand why you say what you're saying, because the XGs are low, because he's not getting the easy chances, because usually he's forced to, to create the chances on his own, as opposed to now being rewarded for being in good positions and scoring easy goals, which are ultimately elevating your XG. I, I suppose the interesting thing becomes, and, and and I think this is always the challenge when I, who have spent a lot of years going to Stamford Bridge, sadly not to the San Siro, but to Stamford Bridge waiting to see Christian Pulisic. It was so such a recurring theme that, you know, you'd turn up in the press box and they'd go, sorry, mate, you know, you're in for a, a long day today of no Pulisic happening. And, and sort of picking up on what you're saying, Jesse, the overrated, underrated also has to be defined by what the role is we expect of Christian Pulisic, whether that's, I think you'd say 15th man maybe at Chelsea when Chelsea were one of the best teams in Europe. Now he's third forward, you know, the, the 10th, 11th starter. And you can make an argument that he's actually fulfilling that role so well that I'm harsh to say he's overrated. I think there could be more, you know, there could be more bits and pieces to the game because you take out the goals and if you set like a game like Atalanta when he didn't get the shots and I was watching carefully because Des told me I was going to be on this there's not <laughs> a lot else from Pulisic and uh, you know how can you impact the game when your teammates aren't passing to you that would be my challenge he's still he's, he's an incredibly talented player the the challenge I think always with looking at him is the US you know with the USMNT he rightly is the player that everything goes through but the U.S. men's national team compared to a club side, they're not a club side on on AC Milan's level. Most national teams aren't. And I think there's real role differences. And I think think Pulisic right now is a good, a starter on a good Italian team. And he's doing that well. So overrated is harsh, but... uh, Uh, As long as you agree that it's harsh. I think think he would benefit from being a little bit more egotistical at times. And yeah. not by how what his play is, but the demand that he makes of his teammates mm-hmm. and the way that he talks within a group. And I, you know, I don't know him personally. I've I've spoken to him a few times, but he comes across as a real gentleman, as a real good team guy. And to be the superstar, to be the big, big boss on the team, sometimes you need to kind of walk around like, like that's who you are. And I know it's not in his nature, but I do think that he needs to find a way to demand more respect from his teammates and and be rewarded for a lot of the things that he does, the hard work he does for the team, the running he does for the team, the pressing, the running in the box, the putting him, trying to put himself in dangerous positions. And by the way, continue to do that and physically keep imposing himself on the game. And that's the way for me, he needs to continue to grow to really achieve the potential of who he is. Uh, he, he's not necessarily that physical type, that personality type, but that's what it requires 
requires to be the best at the best at the highest level. Jesse, I just want to jump in and say, I think year two is going to really maybe see more of that. If if you would have told me leaving Chelsea, what he was 15th, 16th on the roster or or whatever it may be, not even being selected sometimes to going to, to Milan and getting 10 goals and 10 assists in his first season, I'd be like, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is awesome. I will take that. Absolutely. Now, now I think to really reflect upon what James wrote and whether he's underrated, overrated, whatever he fits (laughs) year two is ultimately going to decide, can he start to take on more of that, that responsibility? And now that he knows where he fits into the puzzle, can he elevate his game? That's where I think we're going to really see the Christian Pulisic that I think we know he's capable of being. And by the way, by the way, Jimmy, this is not just a, a, an encouragement for Christian, this is all our American players in Europe. We don't need guys on good clubs that are good players. We need guys that are leaders, that are that demand the most from themselves and their teammates. And we need guys that push the envelope at every level, right? So, and the, the core of this national team is still 25, 26 years old. So it sometimes takes 27, 28, 29, 30 before you're Tim Ream, before you're these types of players. But but like even compare Christian and Clint Dempsey, right? Like Clint is like what makes Clint so unique or what made him so unique was this ego, this idea that like he was just better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, and that is special. And so it's not just the pure talent and technical ability and athleticism and it's the personality types and how they grow into being what we need them to be for, for the national team, for the, for the sport, for, for, and for where they are with their clubs. All right. Very well said. James Bench, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you and we hope that you write something else that's ridiculous so we can have you back on the show. <laughs> that's the only way you're getting here, <laughs> James. He knows how to get clicks. He knows how to get clicks. I'll keep writing those clicks. poison letters. Uh, please do. Soon. Please do. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, Christina Uncle time talking about the refs. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Call It What You Want. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, and we decided to bring in somebody even smarter than Jesse Marsh to talk about this referee situation and this official situation, this lockout situation. Christina Uncle's joining us, Chuck. Let's give it up. Thanks for having me. I will always hold that over Jesse, too. Smarter than Jesse. I'll take it. As you should. As you should. (laughs) Now, Christina... Can you, before we get into any specific plays from the first weekend of MLS games where there were replacement refs, what's the latest on the negotiations? Because we heard they were a little spicy 
the last time we checked. <laughs> They're spicy, and it's going to be interesting to see when everyone does return, uh, how those internal relationships are going to play out, right? At the end of the day, it's still your employees, and they're going to be coming back. So that'll be a little bit interesting from a psychology standpoint. But that being said, they do have meetings scheduled on this upcoming Wednesday to continue the discussions uh, and for essentially pro uh, as well as PSRA's negotiating committee to sit at the table since the last one where PSRA's uh, negotiating committee is going to see say, see, I told you the membership was going to reject this. So one thing I do want to clarify is everyone used the word tentative agreement. That is a technical term of art. What that essentially means is PSRA's negotiating committee kept telling pro this is and MLS, this isn't going to pass. This isn't going to pass. They said, tough luck. This is our best offer. So PSRA didn't agree to it in the sense of they didn't say this was going to pass. They told them it wasn't brought it back, got 96% of a no-go, right? Uh, so we talk about solidarity within the referee group. And uh, so now they're going to start again uh, coming up here this Wednesday. Jimmy, I don't know about you, but watching these games brought me back to college referees. It's not – They brought me back to Sunday League. I don't it's, know what you're yeah, talking about. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember this ref when I was in college. You know, it was, it, it, just the way they, they looked and approached the game. Um, and I don't want to discredit them because they're just doing their job, right? They're, they're doing they, the best they, they love can. the game. They're doing the best they can. Right. right. There you go. So, Christina, how Charlie. would you how would you grade these referees so far? How how would you assess them in the first week of Major League Soccer matches? Yeah, I would say they put themselves as well as um, some of them, just knowing kind of the internals of what's going on, were put in really precarious situations, right? So you are going from essentially, it's imagine to your point, you're refereeing college games, which aren't even in season right now. We're about to hit into preseason or spring season. So they've been out since, oh, realistically, October, November, unless they've November. done some playoffs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like November if they're doing playoffs, but truly October, right? And it's only a two and a half month college season and you're going into a 100 percent uh, of where all of these teams have already had their spring season they're already some of the best players in the world they're moving at a hundred percent um you know we'll probably talk a little bit later but you know it's kind of exactly what we saw in lafc seattle right there is track meets that are going on these players are fresh they're not in the middle of the season and then you got an official who doesn't have the experience the training or the development literally has just been told step into these matches. So to your question, essentially, you know, I, I'm surprised many of them took this because you're only setting yourself up to fail. I know there's many of them are saying it's about me and I can make money and maybe I'll make it into the league. Like, you know, that's playing with fire and, you know, for others are kind of in a scenario where they feel obligated to individuals in the management group to take these games. So collectively, um, you know, there was quite a number of VAR reviews that are a lot higher than one would expect um, from the pro referees. There's no surprise there. Uh, there was a lot of management of either yellow cards uh, and or foul selections and or not giving fouls or getting hit by the ball but not stopping the ball. And then there was a quick counterattack or losing track of someone off the field, right, who then gets involved directly into all of those things happen. And it's not surprising because not only do you have to be physically equipped and ready to handle this, which all these officials were not required to pass the FIFA men's fitness standards, which is required required of all professional referees to pass in major league soccer is the FIFA men's fitness standards that was erased. Um, but at the same time, you're also talking about higher level football understanding that doesn't happen overnight. That happens through experience. And that happens happens for every rookie. Once you get burned a couple times by the pro athlete. <laughs> so, so the, there's the fitness component of it, which yep. if I use the referee from the LA galaxy inter Miami game, not, not only did he not look like he passed, that test or even had tried it in many years 
but he he also didn't necessarily look the parts. You know, I mean, honestly, it looked like they got some guy from the parking lot before the game. We're like, dude, what do you think? We really oh, need somebody to God. run the middle. Of- Why are you gonna do it to him like that? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> he I'm just, just saying. referred Messi. He, he's he's pumped. He's listen, on the top listen. of the world. Inter Miami. Inter Miami got the benefit of some good calls to go their way to end up drawing that game one one. And Messi was still pissed at this guy after the end of it. That's uh, so. So listen, listen, Christina. We have the fitness component, but to your point, the 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 understanding of the game, the IQ of the game at times and also also just just game management we talk about it as players and coaches like how do you manage a game when you have a lead when you don't uh whatever it is but referees definitely have to be well versed in all those situations as well because one team is probably going to be more emotional than the other given different situations and how do you manage all that and 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 how do you train for that i mean because because that's what i'm seeing a little lack of is, is with the referees this past weekend is just that game management yeah, and it's it's you know what people are always saying they're like oh they got to be younger they got to be fitter you can't make up experience through time you can only do it through games similar to a player right we're gonna have you know those playing in Division two who then get into their rookie and you're gonna give them minutes you know that might be 15, 20 minutes off the bench you slowly bring them into this process and that's not exactly what happened here so when you have someone going kind of full tilt. They can probably rely on some basic foundations, but I mean, if we take a look to your point, the you know LA Galaxy uh, game, it's uh, first yellow card to Delgado in the 46th minute, right? And the cards being issued for delay of game. However, when you take a look at that bigger picture, and did Delgado do like a secondary? touch when the ball is out to kind of kick it away the answer is yes is it probably technically correct yes is it what we prefer in this type of a game the answer is no because if you take a look it's like he kicks it slightly away the player who was nearby it there's a ball already near the line and he's not even taking the throw in so there is going back to the laws of the game there is actually no delay of the game right and from that referee perspective yes you see him kick the ball away but you can appreciate the context and say Yes, he kicked the ball away. It doesn't really delay the game. Do I need to burn a yellow in this? Uh, absolutely not, right? You know, this is going to be a hot game. It's so a minute instead, into the second half. Correct. So instead, right? And I'm not saying like if, if it clearly was delaying the game, then give it, right? Issue it. But here it's not. And that's where that management football understanding, it's not a black and white. When you are in the center of this game, when you are that referee, you are a conductor. So think of musicians, right? You are that conductor playing the strings, the percussions, etc. You have to know when things and tempos need to hit. And that only happens through experience. Sometimes it happens by getting burned and you're like, all right, I'll never do that again, right? Or something that happens successful and you're like, all right, we'll do that. So when you referee too black and white, you get these decisions that don't work out to be well, because then we have obviously Delgado's second yellow card, which obviously is a whole nother conversation in and of itself. But now you got this person teed up with the first yellow card that easily could have been saved and managed. And you are not breaking the laws of the game. You are managing the game. And that's what makes people from good to great when it comes to the officiating standpoint, being able to have high level football understanding, appreciate context, be able to manage emotions because you are managing emotions as well as the tempo of the game. We all know when the tempo rises and when it decreases, it's like a pressure can in there. Players feel it. They tell us you have to be able to read that. And that's what was missing from a lot of these officials, just because they've never been in this kind of environment before. You can't go from refereeing 5,000 people to refereeing uh, in a stand full of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people plus TV. You brought up one call in the in the LA Galaxy game, and and Mark Delgado got his second yellow. I mean, the first one given to 
I guess, for delay a game a minute into the second half. Uh, and there was no wasting time because the ball was right there. Um, but I want to look at the Revolution game, which I called um, DC uh, hosting the New England Revolution. Now, there's a, a penalty called on the pitch uh, for a foul on uh, Barak Terevich. Ejimir gets fouled. It's called a penalty. Now, VAR intervenes and asks the ref to, to take a to look at the monitor. Now, his foot is on the line. You can clear clearly see it. Clear as day. And they overturn the call and give a foul basically on the line. Is is are we seeing that the same um sort of, of flow in the VAR booth as well in the in the in the monitor? Because it seems like even those calls are are sketchy at best. Yeah, so BU1 and BU2, which stands for bargaining unit under the PSRA, um, the BU1 group is those that you see in Major League Soccer, uh, as well as those who are sitting in the VAR booth, which, by the way, the VAR booth has moved from Atlanta uh, to over there, I believe in Dallas, somewhere in Texas, and it's a new system. So we're not even using Hawkeye anymore. I think it's like sport tech or something. Um, so many of those individuals are under the BU1 bargaining group, those that typically did VAR. Um, so they are not in the booth. So you do also not only have the officials that have had consistent training on the field, but also in the booth. Instead, right now, um, because there is a lack of individuals who are qualified to be VARs or assistant VARs, because you have to be certified by go through the accreditation, et cetera. There's not many of those that have that. You are right now having actually pro management itself um, serving as the VAR on these games. So it's very, to me, it's kind of a very interesting dichotomy where if you are a referee on that game and you have the head of pro telling you on the other end, I, you know, not, is it really a recommendation when it's your boss who's also going to grade you and give you the next game saying, I need this to be like, this is whatever you say, boss. <laughs> like it, it's, there's some questions I've had where I'm like, why are you guys taking so long looking at the monitor? Like your bosses are the ones literally telling you, this is the recommendation. You should be like looking at it two seconds. Good. Good to go. Right. Just like, so it's what basically do you like uh, boss. I, I really don't see what you're saying there, but uh can, can you see what I'm saying? No, I don't. I'm going to go with what I why I called you the monitor. Oh, God, I think you're wrong, but I'll go with you. And it takes out the FIFA protocols that the center referee should have the final decision. It's actually kind of impeding on that on that element. Big brother is watching on these referees <laughs> right now. OK, so, Christina, last question before we let you go. How much do you think this past weekend in MLS has helped the current referee group in their negotiations knowing that the quality has dropped pretty significantly without them on the field yeah so for me personally just kind of taking a look at the bigger picture of it right so because and thankfully right none of us by the way are advocating for any referee abuse or assault on any of these replacement officials, right? They have, yeah, they've chosen individual versus solidarity and collective, right? So for whatever reason, they decided to go ahead and do this. You know, it was an opportunity, not just at the highest levels at MLS, but throughout the youth and leading up to say, no ref, no game. And that element was taken away, uh, right? So unfortunately, that does undercut essentially the movement. It's similar to the players, right? Better compensation, better, you know, when you have people who decide and choose to play, like that undercuts the whole argument. So Mm -hmm. right now, that's what they're working against, that there's enough individuals who have chosen themselves over not just the higher level refs or saying, I got an opportunity to referee Messi. This is cool, even if it's a one and done, right? But they're undercutting the entire argument. 
there's more and more individuals who are saying, I get the bigger picture. It's not even just a dollar figure. It's saying that major stakeholders are saying, yes, you should be invested in. Because once you tip that off on the highest level, it trickles down to youth soccer, trickles down to semi-pro, pre-pro, to show that referees do need to be invested in and historically have not been invested in. Going into these meetings and these discussions, and once again, thankfully, nobody has gotten that we know of significantly hurt. You know, do we have double yellow red cards that shouldn't have occurred? Yes. You know, were there opportunities, were there key match incidents that could have changed and or did impact the outcome of the game? Um, you know, I'm in these shoes as many of these GMs and presidents where I know how much I've invested on the dollar player wise, right? Like, as well as the stakeholders, because nothing catastrophic on a major level. And there's a little bit of a safety net this time around, as opposed to the 2014. I still think Major League Soccer is going to hold firm on its ground. Um, Like I said, I don't have any inside information. So I wouldn't be surprised if this goes on for a couple more weeks, to be quite honest. What's the biggest um, hurdle, Christina? What's what's the biggest hurdle? I mean, I was going to say, say, (laughs) yeah, if if you had to say one thing that's really... I think the the biggest wedge between MLS and and the the referees. Uh, Yeah. So the biggest negotiating point is essentially travel itself, right? So um, when COVID occurred, uh, right, as players should, they are now flying, you know, um, uh, private. Uh, The referees were then moved up to uh, the ability to get business class. Um, They were staying in better hotels. They were staying all that. In this negotiating segment, that's all been taken away. And they're now moving them back down to economy. And they're putting them under a flight limit of, I think it's like 500 bucks or something like that is the term. We all know you book a ticket, $500, you're you're lucky if you get a book a flight for $500. So it's the travel to and from these games on the quality of the travel from flights as well as to hotels, which is the biggest sticking point. And all in, if I remember correctly, and don't quote, on this, it's really no more than a half a million dollars that's really being argued at play here. That is the biggest issue, the biggest sticking point. So that's why I kind of like cringe because I'm like, yes, there's a monetary value of better work conditions of being able to travel to these games. Everyone forgets anytime anyone comes into our country, how big the United States is. Like for me, from Florida all the way over to like, right, Seattle or Portland, et cetera, you're three, you know, you're going costs time zone differences, multiple planes, right? To get stuck in the back of the plane traveling, how is that supposed to do peak performance athletics? But at the same time, also, you know, we talk about those work conditions. I think there's just a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of maybe personal um, feelings that are being hurt throughout this process. And people really need to be smarter. And maybe that's the lawyer in me is pulling out your emotions versus business tactical points. There's a time that things are business. There's a times that things are personal, pull out the personal, pull out the emotions, take a look at it on the business perspective, but also focus on the fact that these are employees um, and that you need them to be performing at the highest level because it's been very notable. No one talked about the referees this weekend um, uh, from media and journalism. So if they continue to do that when the pro referees come back, that's great. But we know that's not the direction they're going to get. All right, Christina, thank you so much for your time. And ev- everybody, also, I can't wait for an MLS club to miss the playoffs by one point and then go back and blame the replacement refs for that not happening. <laughs> oh, Christina, Jim. I just wrote it out uh, there. Jimmy, just it out Jimmy there. just... Tainted it. You're blaming the messy ref. I'm telling I'm calling <laughs> yeah. that. Right now. All right. We're going to take our next break. Come back and join us here on Call What You Want. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. 
Hello and welcome back to Call What You Want. I'm Jimmy alongside Jesse and Charlie. And uh, that was a fantastic conversation with Christina Uncle. I think we could have its own podcast alone just on that topic. And maybe we will get that opportunity seeing how or seeing how it's all going to transpire, I guess, moving forward. Okay, let's get into our Americans abroad, though, because there were some nasty goals scored by our player pool this past weekend, Chuck, uh, including by one Flo Balligan, who scored his first league goal since November 24th. So that's exciting. He did it with some real power and style and and composure. He had yeah, I mean, I was, left left foot bending left around foot. the keeper near post. It was sick. It was uh, and sick. Sa- and Samba's a big keeper. So yeah, it's a pretty nifty finish. I mean, just the, just the his balance, his strength, his composure, his awareness. Like it ticked almost every single box that you want. So long may that continue for Flo Balligan. Uh Weston McKinney had two assists for Juve and their 3-2 win over Frozen None. Uh, Bruce Don't Godfuck. forget he dislocates his shoulder as well. Yeah, I know, dude. He dislocated his shoulder. We'll see yeah. what that means for him because that could be bad. But apparently, Maxi Allegri came out and said that this happens to him a lot. Okay, well, should I dislocate my shoulder once I was out for eight weeks? So Bruce Gladbach, uh, big 5-2 win over Bochum. And Jordi Pifok got a goal and an assist. Real Betis, 3-1 win over Athletic. And Johnny Cardoso... As an absolute golasso. Absolute golasso. Did you see? Did you see Johnny Cardoso's goal? Yes. Not game? bad. Not he bad. He goes huh? by Johnny. He goes by just Johnny on the kill. Johnny. 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 And then Cadiz, 2-2 draw with Celta de Vigo. Luca de la Torre had an assist on the first goal to Iago Aspas. Uh, Monterey, Brendan Vasquez comes off the bench and scores. He's got four goals and six Liga MA Keys appearances. Monterey's 3-0 win over Juarez. Uh, Venezia, Busio provided an assist uh, in second half stoppage times. Venezia won 2-1 over Pisa. Crystal Palace, Chris Richards scores his Premier League, first Premier League goal. Wow. And what are we thinking about that? I mean, that's that's big deal, Good Jeff. performance. Good, Good performance. performance big, big. Burnley, though. Do we have to take Good it into consideration that it was just, it was yes. just no, Burnley? Not, yes. not, not, not if you're yes. a defender. Not if yes, you're a defender. still, you have to. I mean, there's I, a I difference. should say. That, the, the league right now, there's a big difference. If you're playing Man City. If, if you said Sheffield, I would have said okay. <laughs> There's a big difference. I'd probably been on Austin Trusty. I, I I will say um if we're gonna get into those distinguishing factors, Real Betis were up a player when Johnny Cardoso scored, but whatever. And then uh we talked about Flo Gal Balligan. He did miss another penalty though. That's his fourth missed penalty of the season. Uh yeah. that's just not his thing. Of, that's just not his thing. <laughs> let's not let him take penalties. Props to the, the coach US. for letting him take him. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know, what is it? Fool me, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times, <laughs> fool me four. Uh, Paxton Aronson scored his first, uh, first. Yes, Paxton. And uh, Vitesse's 2-1 win over Excelsior. Uh, PSV, Sergio Desp got an assist. Tillman got an assist. Uh, Ricardo Pepe ended up scoring a goal, which was awesome. And Tillman gave him the assist. They won 7-1 over Zwolle. And now I want to throw it to you guys. We obviously had MLS's opening weekend. Uh, Chesty, I'll come to you first. Who's your player that really stood out that you want us to highlight and, and worship for the following well, I, I, I said Scally and Vines. I watched both those games. I thought Scally was good. I thought he was quite good. But um, but Bochum are the worst team in the Bundesliga, right? So we got to take that into yeah, consideration. but Bochum beat Bayern last week. That's fair. Touche. <laughs> and and then uh, and Vines, you know, had an own goal and not not his best performance and, and then was taken out of the 60th. But so I switched to Balogun because I, I watched that game. 
and you guys already hit on it a lot. But first of all, the goal. Uh, you said against the goalkeeper. I would say against Danso, one of the strongest defenders in the league. And he looked like a man on a mission in this play, right? Like you you were talking about the technique and the 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 balance. And for me, it was just the aggression, right? The 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 desire to score. And that's often what, what goal scorers are about is doing whatever it takes, sliding in the box, winning duels, getting up for head balls, sniffing out second actions, being on the back post. So this was a goal scorer's goal of like aggression and desire. And in general, I felt like on the day, he he was on a mission, right? He was on a mission to to do what it takes. He, he, they knew it was a big game. Playing at Longs is never easy. A great crowd there, big a stadium that always has energy. Um, I, I I thought overall he had also a goal called offside that was offside, but still his his desire on the day to to make an impact to win the match. And then, you know, Taki Minamino, uh, an ex-player of mine, scoring two goals and a goal in the 93rd, 92nd minute to win the match. But really enjoyed the match, really enjoyed his performance, felt like he was out to prove something on the day um, and would love to see more and more of this for sure. Uh, I love it. I thought Balogun was was very good. That's nice. When you can see, you can visibly see a chip on the shoulder, right? They have something to prove. Yeah. And and uh, hopefully that remains a consistent theme for him. How was so. my, Charlie, how was my pronunciation of Lance? Pretty pretty damn good. Lance. Okay. Messi. Messi. Yeah. Lance. So Monaco actually play PSG on Friday. So we'll see if Flo Balgan gets the start and how he performs. That's, that's going to be a very, very, very good game. All right, Chuck, how about you? Which player stood out for you? Since we we touched on it, uh, Chris Richards. I mean, this this is a guy. He's twenty three years old. He's he's gone through a, a manager now and a manager change in the Premier League. He's played defensive midfield. Now they're playing a in a back three, um, back four sometimes. But whatever the occasion is, he steps up. And in this match in particular, yes, it's Burnley. You're playing them at home, and Burnley is 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 going down destined for uh, the championship. He had 73 touches. He, he won all of his ground duels. Um, he, he was pretty good with his passing. He was pretty accurate. 57 out of 62 for 92%. Um, he, he took the goal extremely well. And remember, this is a guy who we need in, in the national team to be playing, to, to be taking advantage of the moments that he gets in, I really feel that over the past year, he's taken a big stride forward in his, in his development and not only with uh, his, his club form, but also the national team form being that presence. You could tell everyone enjoys uh, being around him. He's got a big smile. He's, he's, he's got a big body. I think he's really asserted himself well in, in the back line for the U S men's national team. So I'm really excited about his future and what he can continue to do um, in the middle of the back line uh, going forward. Automatic starter for you for Copa America. Automatic starter. Automatic. For Copa America, you're saying that now. Automatic. Like in the ground. Automatic. Look look at the center back depth chart. Automatic. Who's Planet next to him the then? Because Cameron Carter Vickers, which we didn't mention, did come off the bench for Celtic this past mm-hmm. weekend, which is nice. He's getting back to health, played the last 30 minutes. I like CCV, but but I guess Tim Ream would still be my number one Tim, choice. I mean, healthy. Tim, but Tim Ream did yeah. not play against against Manchester United this weekend. Dress, but right. didn't play, which I thought was interesting because he had been healthy prior to that. And Richards is playing left center back in a three. Right. Which is where he played at Hoffenheim, if I don't... Which is where, where Austin Trusty would 
be that would be his best position in a back it's three. Interesting. Playing it's a big conversation as well. Center backs. Yeah, it is or, a big problem. Tim Ream playing on the left versus on the right. Uh, yeah. yeah, but Chris Richards has played on the right with Tim Ream on the left, or Miles Robinson can also play on the right if if Miles Robinson is is the preferred CCV, partner because they've there's, had a, there's options. a good there's partnership. Options. But CCV and Miles both play that right center back role well. Um, but I think Chris Richards, without a doubt, is is penciled in as as a starter at center back. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to take that baton for players to highlight and bring up Weston McKinney. We mentioned him before, but two assists, two very mm-hmm. good assists this past weekend to Dusan Vlahovic in Juve's big 3-2 win. They needed that against Frozen None to kind of get back or at least stay competitive with Inter Milan for the rest of the season in Italy. That's his fifth assist of the season. And, and as I look at his stats actually right now, he's one of three players that has started 23, excuse me, four players, 23 or more games. For Maxi Allegri, you have Bremer, who plays center back for them. You have Manuel Locatelli, and you have Wojciech Szczesny in goal. What I love is the trust that he's earned from Maxi Allegri. Obviously, he went to Leeds to go play for Jesse. Uh, that that time didn't work out. <laughs> and uh, and Jesse didn't really even get to coach him from what I remember. But but then, then so, there, so when you go do that, you make that decision to maybe want away from the club. It's going to be hard to maybe walk back and, and win your spot. But not only has he done that, he's done that with real style and, and real irreplaceability. I mean, the guy has been so good for, for Juve throughout the season and is really doing a lot of work on both sides of the ball. So I just want to give a shout out to him. Now, as we mentioned before, dislocated shoulder, that is unfortunate. And we'll have to wait to see this. Can I tell, uh, you, can I tell you what I know about dislocated shoulders? Sure. Yes. So when you do it the first time, apparently if it's a pure, it's a true dislocation, you always chip the bone. So okay. there's like, you know, like you imagine that, like that, that ball joint, right? You always chip the bone. So you have two options at that point. You have an option to then go in and surgically repair uh, either the bone and the tendon or the the musculature around it, or, or you build up the muscle, which takes less time to come back, but your likelihood of redoing the dislocation is 90% if you don't get the surgery. So I don't know if Weston has gone and gotten the surgery again, but also they say with every dislocation, your likelihood to redo it again is grows higher, but your recovery time reduces. So if they say it's multiple, then it may mean that it pops out more. And then, you know, it's like, uh, what was it? Lethal weapon with Mel Gibson when he pops it back in. <laughs> but Deep that your, re- your recovery and your pain and your, your, your entire structure can handle it more. So maybe, maybe it's not going to keep him out for too long. Maybe it's just a pain tolerance thing and, and we could see him potentially come in with the national team or be ready in a week or so. Ivis, I've according to Ivis, he's had three sur- shoulder surgeries um, during his career, 2019 and twice in 2022. Or not surgeries, he's had injuries. All right, we are going to take our next break of Call It What You Want, but the next segment, like always, is going to be a lot of fun, so don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Call It What You Want. So for those that are not in the know, like us three prior to recording the segment, the 60-man roster has been... Dropped for the Nations League semifinal against Jamaica in mid-March. And that gives us a good time to revisit some of our, what we consider locks for the Copa America. 
Some interesting fun facts, though, and this is listed with with CONCACAF, is that 58 names on this 60-man roster are all alphabetical, and then the last two are John Brooks and Bernard Camungo. So, so... Why, Jim? Why, Jimmy? I don't know why. They seem like late ads. And John Tolkien, not on the 60. But to be expected, I think, for some of our under-23 players because they're going to be more eligible or looking forward to the Olympics instead. So I, I can't explain why, Jesse. You might actually know more about the inner workings of U.S. soccer than I do. You probably do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an indicator that they had 58 names, no? And then they put the last two. Just like, what, right. pulled some names out of a hat? Strange. Like John Brooks? Strange. Yeah, Strange. Come on, go, Brooks. Why that not? Let's just throw them out there. Incredible. That is incredible. I don't know. There were times where you find out as a player, Chuck, that you were on, or Jesse too, and you were on uh, the 60-man roster or this big giant roster, and then you don't make the final one. And at times that felt like a bigger punch to the gut. Like, I, I don't even know if I wanted to know that I was on the 60. Just tell me if I make the 20, 23 or 20. No, I was always 61, Jimmy. I, was... <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I think it's nice to be included in the 60. At least, you know, your name's been mentioned. mentioned. Yeah. As opposed to being just, you're just doing it for, for the joy, for the love of the game. <laughs> Sure, that's fair. That's you, you, get, you get no love. Or a little, a little, I mean, I, I think you know if you're more in the 25, 26, 27, or if you're more in the 30 plus range. The 50s. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I think that's you fair. Know. Well, DeAndre Edlin's in the 60. Benya Kramaski is in the 60, even though he's out due to some hernia surgery. So I don't know. But let's get into now that more time has passed, let's get into our roster locks. Let's revisit. I think we had 13 names the last time we did this. For it's a true. segment, let's see where we are now as we start to inch closer to not only the Nations League semifinal but also the Copa America. We got a graphic though. We're going to start with the graphic. If you're if you're listening at home, our locks right now for goalkeeper or what we had before were we had go- we had Matt Turner in for sure. We had Chris Richards, Tim Ream, Serginho Des, Anthony Robinson. Those were the locks before. No, uh, no Horvath, huh? Well, so so I think well he just won his first game as a starting goalkeeper for Cardiff, so that's going to be. A nice sign. For me, I would have Horvath at the moment, and then whoever's hottest in, in MLS or anywhere else will be the third third keeper. I don't know if you bring three for the Nations League. Would but you bring Gaga Sonina? That's for Copa America. Well, the, I, if, when I think about Copa America, I think you leave the Sloninas and and Chris Brady's for the Olympics, and, and you bring in – I mean, Matt Turner's going to play all the games, right? Well, so, te- technically, you could bring Slonina to both. That's true. You could do that, right? Because yeah. he's at he's at Chelsea. Um, he's on loan in Belgium. But to to I think to a lot of people's surprise, George George Petrovic has done extremely well for Chelsea, right? Yeah. And so he's and very- George Petrovic is is young, very young. So I don't see Slimia. a world in which Gago Sonina plays anytime soon at Chelsea. So why not bring him to both if he if he's doing that well and he, and and Greg is is has valued what he brings to the table okay so any so any goalkeepers that you would add to this so just Horvath and yes and, I, okay yeah that's that's, that's it. it okay and then now defenders for me I'll just jump in we got Richards Ream Destin and Anthony Robinson automatic Scally lock. for sure Scally and for Scally me. and Scally CCV yeah. Cameron Carter C- and and I and have I, CCV I have CCV as well when he's healthy, obviously. This is all assuming everybody's healthy. I, I saw that he came in on the 61st, so I put him in. Great. And then and then who else? Is it is it is it a 
Miles Robinson? Is it a, is it a Mark McKenzie? Is it an Austin Trusty? Those who, are not locks. Walker Zimmerman. Who who who? Nope. And just to really trigger I have Miles everybody, Robinson. Aaron Long. I have Miles What's Robinson up? as well. <laughs> I have Miles Robinson too. I wrote down Miles. Uh, I thought he was pretty solid in his first. So game who didn't game. have Miles Robinson? That's uh, one Charlie Davies. Me. I'm, I'm the only one who didn't have him as a lock. I didn't have him as a lock. Why not? He was captain against um, Armenia, dude. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly the, the coaching staff respects him to put him in yeah, that position. And, and, and I do too. But in terms of a lock, it means no matter what happens from now until Nations League, that he's going. And and I don't think that's the case. I think he still has to perform at an extremely high level, given that there are other players who are playing and could could kind of leap him. But that's the status of kind of all the guys, right? No. I mean, regardless, Serginio Dest is going. Whether he plays okay. bad, you know, okay. Anthony Robinson's going. Whether he plays bad, Chris Richards going. Yeah, but if Matt they get Turner, hurt or if they're not playing, if they're not playing. If they're not playing, they're still going. That's another point. If they're not playing, they're still going. Like Matt Serginio Dest, if he doesn't play another game until Nations League, he's still going. He's still probably, getting called Probably in. correct. That's probably correct. correct. Okay, moving on from the defenders and goalkeeper, let's get into midfielders. And this is our now new consolidated list of midfielders that we think are absolute locks for this upcoming throw in, nation's throw in Luca De La Torre. So we got Weston McKinney. You could. Let me let me name him first. Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna, Malik Tillman, Johnny Cardoso, and Brendan Aronson. And I think I agree with you guys. I think Luca De La Torre needs to be. I think that's a lock. And I think Aronson is more seen as more as a winger than than he is as a midfielder at this point. He plays sometimes the eight. He plays both yeah. a little bit, but I see that. But but I agree that I didn't put De La Torre, but I should have. He's he should be in that group too. Okay, so yeah, De La Torre is in for me. Uh, Johnny was is a new addition for us as well because he wasn't in it initially, but obviously playing fantastic for Betty's. Uh, Anybody else though? Because if Tyler's not there, is there is there room for Leonard Maloney? Is there room for Kevin Paredes? Like, is, is there anybody? I that's... Have, but Paredes is a winger. All right, um, that's fair. Yeah, I mean maybe Busio. Um, yeah, he's he's seemed to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, in this space. Yeah. Okay, it's like Busio and Tessman, right? They're they're both Tessman, competing. I, I I I think watching their matches, I think Busio has been a bigger factor. I mean, Tessman's been played more matches, but as of late, Busio has been really good on both sides of the ball too. Yeah. It's been, yeah. He's got a little bit of Pirlo in him in terms of just maybe not the most athletic guy, but can still dictate the Jimmy stick to the, stick to the defenders. Stick. Yeah. (laughs) I just meant in terms of like the way he moves, the way he moves. Like he just, Oh, Jesse, what in the world? Jimmy. All right, man. Jimbo. Did Did you have, is he compared compared to, to the way Jimmy played, he's definitely Pirlo. He's definitely <laughs> Pirlo. <laughs> uh, oh, well, you know what? You're, you know acting what? Like, you're acting like those replacement referees right now, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like there was, there's some way. It's so, like the way he moves physically. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm never sure. gonna, I'm never gonna hear the end of this. But uh, shout out oh to the Busio God. family who's gonna love me for life. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm, so. I'm, you know, we were talking about average to good T-shirts. Now we need a picture of Busio <laughs> or a, a picture of Pirlo that says Busio underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> i'll buy that shirt by the way okay let's uh let's go to forwards and our wingers let's take a look at our locks our combined locks now they're now in team away christian pulisic ricardo pepe where's paredes Balogun and josh Sargent. i'm in on Sargent for sure i would almost are- i would consider brandon vasquez to be honest a lock? guys i would consider only, bringing him in i'm just saying i would there's consider only gonna that- be three strikers 
There's only going to be three. I nine. think he provides a different. I, I think Paredes has to be on this list. Has to be. I, okay, I right? agree. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, the st- Sergeant for me right now is ahead of Vasquez. So, yep. But now I agree with that. Yes. But, but Sergeant can play multiple positions across the front line. Let's not get carried like, away now. I'm just saying, I think he okay. can. So can yeah. Pepe now. And so can Balogun. And so can Balogun. Balo. 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 So, okay. Well, that was it. I mean, we have up to now our locks were at 20. And I believe Copa America would be taking what? 25? 25? 20, how many 26 can take? maybe 26 now. I think that FIFA calls for 26 26 at Copa America so that gives us a lot of room to this is for Nations League to be open to uh Pirlo Busio to get into the team Woo! I'm going for Busio Busio for 2024 let's go that's my new new campaign <laughs> well you uh, got Busio you've also no I didn't got... have Busio in there I didn't even have him on my okay. list and okay. producer Des can validate that for me when he said okay. Busio I said nope <laughs> Andrea, Andrea Busio. Andrea versus Busio. I, <laughs> I like Busio's game, but I, I feel like we can cover those uh, with with players that already locks. I think off. those are all those Solid. are all pretty much locks, right? I, I don't think there's a whole lot of room for discussion there. Yeah, I agree. I, I see no wrongs. Yeah, not with us three. No, Even me, Andrea Busio. Good job, guys. Good job, it. everybody. All right, we're gonna take our next break. When we come back. We're going to get into more of the good stuff because that's what we do here at Call What You Want. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the last break of Call What You Want. We got challenged by our producers during the break after they saw our lockdown locks of the Nations League that Greg Berhalter only usually takes two strikers to a particular tournament or whatever it may be or any games, and we have nominated three with Sargent and Pepe in Balogun. So the challenge is, which of those two of the three would we take? And Chuck, I'm coming to you first. Chuck Pirlo? Chuck Pirlo. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I considered you uh, more more Chuck <laughs> Chuck Ronaldo. But, uh, okay. um, all right. I, I'm going to go Balo one, Pepe two, Sergeant three. Okay. So um, uh, if if he's only taking two, which I don't think, I think Sargent's played his way into the Nations League roster. Uh, so in that case, so he'll, know, he'll be he'll be included in my mind because all but three if, of those guys can play wide if needed. I actually want to see us play with two strikers. Different conversation, but go ahead. Yeah, um, I, I don't think we'll play with two strikers from from the start. It's just if the game asks for it and we're down, we need to change things up. Then you could see that. But uh, ultimately, I think it's it's. Balligan still one, Pepe two, and and three is is Josh Sargent. Jesse, where are you? I'm bunking the idea that he's only bringing two, because if you have three well performing strikers, you bring them all, and mm-hmm. and there's flexibility to maybe play with two strikers. Flexibility to use one out wide. All three deserve to be there based on their current form, and and I think future as well. I think what they will mean to the national team if they keep performing. So for me, it's all three. Right. By the way, was Tim Way on that list? I can't yeah, he was on the list. He was, okay. number, he was yeah. on the top. Because, yeah. you know, Tim's obviously going to play that right wing spot, but he hasn't been getting the the time and um, that you need to, to, to be consistent, at least to come into the camp and and have that match fitness that you, you all want. I know you guys think I'm going to have Busio first and then, <laughs> and then Sergeant second. Not happening. Not true. 
It's not happening. I, I got Taylor Booth, actually, first. <laughs> uh, I got a whole bunch of different pajamas I wear over here for all my You, you said Cade Cowell to me earlier. That, that well, was he scored again. One. He scored again for Chivas this past yeah. weekend. We should put him into the mix for sure. We'll Olympics, Olympics, right? Save him for the Olympics. Yeah. I got Ballo one. I got Pepe two. And I got Sergeant three as well. But I agree with you guys that, that all three should be in the pool and should be considered because, uh, to your point, Jesse, they've been playing really, really well. All right, that's it. We're calling it a show. It's done. Call it what you want. It's over for now. Thank you again for all your support. Thank you for listening and watching. We love you all. And we cannot wait to bring you the next one. Shout out to all the Busio fans out there. I love you guys. Woo!